Get Advisor Fit with Olivia Looper, a series of interviews with financial consultants and industry experts helping financial advisors strategize, market, and grow their business using core fitness values and analogies. Do something today that your future self will thank you for with Get Advisor Fit. Here's your host, Olivia Looper. Hey guys, welcome back to Get Advisor Fit, where we encourage you to lift heavy, invest often, and market your ass off. Today, I am joined by Derek Kinney, who is changing the way we feel about money. Namely, that money is not bad, and good people should have more of it. I mean, this sounds legit, as my, my kids would say. So I was more than excited to have Derek come agree to come on the podcast with us. He's also a best-selling author, CEO, former advisor, Jeep owner, and Elvis fan. He is right. prepared. Yes, I felt on your profile. I thought we had to we had to include that. He's prepared some amazing content to share with us today, including some information on his history as a financial advisor, the number one solution to the biggest challenge financial advisors face in standing out locally, how to transform your advisory business and create raving client base, and information about bad money attitudes in his good money revolution. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Derek. Derek, thank you so much for joining us. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got here. Well, Olivia, thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to be on this great podcast. I know that you've got a great audience that, that really trusts you. So it's an honor to be with you. You know, it's funny because as we were talking off air, I shared with you that I made a big decision to sell uh, what some would call a very successful financial planning business uh, January of 2020. And, and this was literally months before the COVID breakout, months before the world shut down. So the timing was actually very, very good. But what was interesting was the decision was made about six months earlier. So every year I go away by myself on a sabbatical. I take about five days uh, at a destination somewhere around the country, typically by the beach uh, because it relaxes me. And I ask myself three questions. How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better father? And how can I be a better business owner? And those three questions really guide me because I, I tend to move really, really fast like you do and many of your listeners do. And I recognized a couple of years ago that if I'm gonna run really, really fast, I need to take one week out of the year to know what I'm running fast toward the other 51 weeks out of the year. And it really helped clarify what my goals were and really what the vision was for my life. So I'm in the W Hotel in Boston and overlooking the wharf there. And I begin to write out a list of the things I would really enjoy doing. I'd always loved being a financial advisor. It's 25 years of serving clients, building a team of about 10 people. But I recognized there was something missing. It was, it was though I was ready to go on to the next in my life. And I wrote down, write a book, launch a podcast, coach, speak, consult, and surprisingly, Olivia, on the list was not being a client-facing advisor. And it really surprised me at first, but then it sort of validated how I'd been feeling. So I called my wife and I said, honey, are you sitting down? <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and she... She was so understanding and actually she told me, she said, Derek, it's funny because I've been thinking the same thing recently. So I was prepared for you to say that. And so fast forward then, that was July of 2019. I then sell January 2020. But the unique part is I wasn't selling to go do something specific. It wasn't as though I was leaving my business and retiring or I wasn't leaving to go to this other job. It was simply moving all the chips back on Derek again and giving my life's wheel a big spin and let's see where this thing goes. Yeah, that gave me goosebumps. I love that. It was like all the cosmos were aligned. You took the time to listen to what the universe was opening up for you and the, the answer came. So would you say that that was the aha moment you had as a financial advisor that had the biggest impact on your business now? Well, so actually that was, I would say, the, the aha moment that led me to where I am now. Going back though, uh, when I was 24 years old, I was brand new in the business. I, I was working full-time for a company out of college. I was their marketing director. And, and you got to picture this. I'm a pretty straight-laced guy. I you know, wear cool shirts, but the people I was working with, these were the engineers. I was the one marketing guy at the firm. 
And these guys had the ponytails and they brought their dogs to work. And you know, it was, I was like a fish out of water, you know? And what I realized was I didn't really enjoy that job, but I'd always enjoyed working with money, investing it and talking to my parents about it, friends about it. And, and I got this idea of what if I went back and got licensed and became a financial advisor and basically began to build that business. And so that was the dream I began to pursue. What I realized though was I got those licenses, but then I had a problem I wasn't planning on. And that was, there was a lot of other advisors already in my community, older, wiser, smarter, none better looking. I had that going for me. How do I compete with this? And, and what I realized was I could either go into the marketplace with trying to prove, here's how much I know, sort of that, let me be the smartest person in the room approach. But when you're 24, people read right through that. What I realized was I always had a passion for education. And so I went back to my alma mater high school, Sam Houston High School here in Arlington, Texas, where I still live today. And I began to recognize a teacher of the month and a student of the month. And so the student of the month, I gave a $25 gift card. The teachers got a $50 gift card. You would have thought, Olivia, that they won the lottery. For me, it was 75 bucks. It wasn't that big of a deal. But for them, what I recognized later was they felt recognized and valued and they felt seen. And that word really helped propel my business later on, but I'll get to that in just a second. So what I would do is 25 years ago, we had these things called newspapers. It was like this, the stuff they printed stuff on, they threw to people's houses and and I would send so pictures. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would send pictures of myself and the principal and the and the student and the teacher to the newspaper to recognize them. Well, I began to get phone calls. And the third phone call I got, it was so unprofessional. I said to this lady, she said, Derek, we want to move our investment account over to you and your firm. And I, I said to her, do you realize that I'm 24 years old? I'm new to the business. Why do you want to work with me just out of curiosity? And what she said, she said, Derek, we know you're new, but we know you're smart. She said, but the main thing is you care about what we care about. And it was in that moment that a big light bulb just went off on the top of my head. And I said, oh my gosh, people assume that you know what you're doing, but they choose to work with you because if you can provide a doorway to a bigger story for them, a bigger opportunity, then they'll choose to work with you. And so that attracted so many affluent clients because they knew, hey, Derek's good with money, but isn't everybody. And he provides great service. Well, we hope everybody does. But what makes him different is there is this community generosity piece that clients resonated with and it allowed them to be part of something bigger that they couldn't do on their own. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I know that um, especially for affluent, high net worth clients, this community piece is very um, important. Not to say that it's not for others, but I mean, statistically speaking, research it indicates that that's one of the things that is super important to them. And I mean, this just small anecdote shows just how powerful that actually was. Like you said, it was $75, but that, I mean, it was beyond that. It was the fact that you were going out of your way to help others. And that alignment showed that your values aligned with their values. And that was why they were like, take our money, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So would you say that that's the solution to the to the problem that many advisors have in standing out locally is is finding a way to differentiate themselves like this? Yeah, yeah. And and the way that I would do that is it's really you know, here in Texas, we we call it, the, I, I call it anyway, the Texas two-step. There's always kind of two pieces to things. And, and one of them is most advisors think that they're actually bringing clients in for the wrong reason as to why the clients are actually coming to them. And here's what I mean by that. Yes, explain. People, I'm many, a little confused. <laughs> yeah, many, many people think that, well, they're coming to me because they want me to manage their money. They're coming to me because they want me to get good returns. And, and all of those are important and sort of assumed. But what those are is those are symptoms of your prospective client's problem. You see, if you can begin to dig and dig and find out, you know, what is it that you really want? What concerns you and keeps you awake at night? They're often going to tell you things like, I don't want to run out of money. I don't want to be embarrassed to have to go back to work because I mismanaged my retirement. 
Yeah. I don't want to have to look in my kids' faces and say, I can't afford to send you to college. Or I don't want to be on my deathbed many years from now and look back and just have a life of regret. I want to have experiences or I want to retire to something, not from something. Well, now with your shovel, you're digging and you're really getting into what the client's feeling. And when you can express empathy, when you listen to the client and you're just taking notes, because let's be honest, advisors watching right now, within about five minutes, if you're being honest, you could diagnose the solution to most of your clients' problems like that because you've done it so often. But the problem is I always say, no fee, no me. And that is I never want to solve the problem before they've paid me to solve the problem. You know, we always want to be heroes and jump in to, to solve the crisis. You want to just let it sit there, take notes. But the deeper part of that is if you were to have to have a medical procedure done, let's say it was your shoulder, and would you be more confident going to the general practitioner doctor who knows a little bit about a lot of things, or would you be more at peace of mind of going to the surgeon who only operates on shoulders day in and day out? I mean, Olivia, if you were in that situation, who would you be more comfortable going to? Oh, well, especially given my bodybuilding, oh, nobody yeah. is going to touch this body who is not a specialist. Yes. So we have to take very, very good care of the body. So I, that is a no-brainer. Definitely and, the specialist. Yeah. And, and so I want advisors and business owners watching to recognize that you must become the specialist. If you are simply an advisor that knows a little bit about a lot, then you're just average. I'm just going to say it like it is. But if you want to escape average, then you need to specialize in something. For example, you need to be able to say, hey, we specialize in something like retirement income planning, or we specialize in and then insert the specialty. And one of the ways you do that is here's a simple exercise that you can do. First of all, uh, your clients right now, whether you know it or not, are already telling you what you specialize in, whether you recognized it this clearly or not. So you want to do two things. First of all, identify your top 10 favorite clients. And these are the ones that, that pay you, the ones that are the highest fee paying clients. So they're putting their dollars to you. They're voting for you every day saying, I like to work with you. So these are the top 10 people who pay you the most. And then your other list are the top 10 people who you just like. And when you see their name on your calendar, you get excited and your team is excited. There's no like, oh no, not her yeah. coming in today. Oh, and we all, we all have that list. And what you want to do is combine those lists and you'll be surprised. Let's say there's three to five names on both lists of people that pay you the most and people that you like the most. Well, now what you want to do is those three to five names, ask yourself what caused them to come to me and my team in the first place? What was the problem they had that I helped them solve? And you'll begin to see a pattern there. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that we worked with business owners who had this concern or individuals that had this worry. And that becomes the specialty that you can then go to the marketplace with and say, we specialize in helping people avoid this problem. We help solve this problem. And, and so the bottom line there is that that helps your competition becomes irrelevant because people are competing on, I could get you the best return, the best service. We've returned phone calls within 10 minutes. People assume those are kind of table stakes, Olivia, of what's expected these days. But when you can really deliver on, look, this is the specialist. And if you want somebody to solve the problem and the dialogue I would have with people in my office would be, you know, Olivia, there, there's no shortage of financial advisors, <clears throat> pardon me, here in Arlington, Texas. You could choose from any of them, and they're all, they're all good folks. What differentiates us is we specialize in a very small niche called retirement income planning. So many people are more generalists. They know a little bit about a lot. We know a lot about a little. And for people who want to retire and not run out of money, that's what we help them avoid. Is that the type of service you're looking for? Zip. And they say, well, yeah, that's, and, and what I did, let's diagnose what I did there. Did I throw people under the bus? No. Did I disparage my competition? No, because people pick up on that and they don't want to work with somebody who, who, who doesn't talk kindly of other people, but I put them politely in a box 
And then I set myself outside the box as the clear alternative to solving their problem, but I explained it to them in a way where they knew that a specialist like me was the right choice. Right. So what's really, there's about 3,000 things that I want to say in, re, in regards to all of this, because I'm getting super excited about it. But the most, um, I think, helpful thing to point out is, okay, two things, because they're related. One is that you were in marketing before you were a financial advisor. So you understood a lot of the things that, you know, a financial advisor without a marketing background wouldn't, which you know, lends to your credibility, of course. Um, but it also means that you're going to understand what I'm about to say. So I find that when I'm working with financial advisors, I'm going to do a, a, a really quick example. Um, I recently had a, a gentleman come to me and he was referred from another COI in, you know, the FinSurf space. And he came to me thinking he should be putting quizzes on his website and doing, you know, some different things for lead generation, which he should definitely. But when I looked at his website, it was not clear to me what he did at all. I couldn't even tell he was a financial advisor. I was like, do you sell insurance? Do you outsource? Do you find leads for other financial advisors? It was so confusing. There was so much information because what he was doing was talking about all of the ways that he takes client from point A to point B instead of the result or outcome of getting to point B. In other words, the result or outcome, the benefit of working with him. So I know I told him there is, if I can't figure it out and I'm very, I work in financial services, there is no way that a consumer is going to be able to figure it out. So before we go adding any of what we call like, you know, further down bottom of the funnel activities, we first have to uh, attract or engage that client high level. So, and that goes along with what you just said. Don't, what is that about? Don't, don't give the information before they pay you. Well, I, I call it no, no fee, no me. No fee, no me. Okay, exactly. So I said, there's a place to talk about some strategies that you used in order to accomplish X, Y, and Z. But in order to gain the um, attention of said client, we need to talk about what those outcomes are. And we do that by presenting the problem, presenting the cost of not working on the problem, and you know, the benefit, the, the positive desired outcome of hiring a financial advisor to help you solve them. So I think that um, it's critical for our financial advisors to understand that, you know, these two things are related and that you need to, um, how did I want to say this? Um, in order to stand out in local area or nationwide if you're you know talking digital or whatever it's those emotional pieces that are going to get you in the door and i think one way another little filter that advisors could put on themselves when they're creating content or talking probably to, maybe to a prospect is to say your little saying about no no fee no me you know listen actively listen ask them if your solution those benefits sound like you know, like you said, does that sound like something that would benefit you or are you good for a fit for you um, and leave it there. We don't have to talk about how you're going to deal with the down market. If you're going to do tax law harvesting or Roth IRA rollovers, that is not, it's not the place for that. Well, yeah, and, and I could not agree more. And I don't fault advisors for this because their greatest strength is their analytic ability to figure problems out. Right. But one of the concepts I learned a long time ago, and it really helped me conceptualize this, that when I first became an advisor, um, there were lots of other smart people, but a lot of them washed out, meaning that they, they simply couldn't make it. And, and the reason why is they had this unrealistic expectation of what the business really was. They thought that they would get all these licenses, they studied, they worked extremely hard, and then the phone would ring. People would call them and say, look, I, I, I know you, you do this for me. I need you. But somebody gave me some sage advice early on. They said, Derek, just remember that the phone is your friend. And, and if you get comfortable on the phone, back in my day, we were out, a lot of outbound calling, a lot of uh, asking for referrals and so forth. And I began to realize that 
truly, while I was a financial advisor, I was actually a marketing company who provided financial planning services. And once I made that recognition, it was a game changer for me because what I realized was my, my goal was every day was to get people to want to work with me that didn't know yet they needed to work with me. And yeah. I'll give you a visual analogy. I would always have my office on the corner, but I always wanted to look out over a highway. And the reason for that was it was a reminder that every day that despite all of the marketing, all of the community involvement, all of the relationships I had formed with people to build this brand equity that when people thought of a financial advisor, they thought of me and my local area, people might move out of the area and they would never see or hear of me again. And then every day, new people were moving into Arlington, Texas, who had never heard of me before. And so I couldn't just rest on, well, nope, I've done all my marketing. I'm good. Nope. You've got to do the same thing and do it over and over and, and refine it every single day. So what I would tell people is right now, in this cultural moment, when you think about 2023 and you think about the world as it is, and you think about your local community as it is, what are the concerns that people are feeling right now? And how can you as the advisor make yourself relevant with the skill set you've got in this cultural moment. For example, if, if people are worried about, oh my gosh, am I going to lose my job at the local factory? Well, if you're promoting, hey, open up a Roth IRA, they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but if you position yourself as, for those of you concerned about losing your job, here's a workshop on the first three mistakes that most people make and how you can avoid them. Well, suddenly now you've opened up a doorway for people to come into and a Roth IRA might be further down the checklist, but it's not the top concern that will draw them to exactly. work, work with you and for them to feel the empathy you have for their situation. Exactly. Empathy, feelings, all of this belongs in the top of the funnel. All of this belongs on your homepage of your website, in your LinkedIn profile, not the details of how, you know, the sausage is made. Okay? Right. So that's an awesome point to make. Also, um, your highway analogy and the idea that there's constantly people moving in and out of um, your hometown uh, just reminds me of what I'm actually supposed to do on this podcast once in a while, which is related back to fitness. Marketing is like going on a fitness journey. So say you start out and you want to... Um, lose 15 pounds and um build a bigger booty or something okay you know this is common common over women this day and age you don't just worries i have every day i get it. right exactly um so you don't just you don't just get to your dream like say i want to be 135 pounds and you get there and you stop and you just do the things that you were doing before like eating cupcakes and not getting your movement or not getting your water or your supplementation in because what's going to happen is you're just going to you're not going to keep what you've worked so hard for so you and when you get to that point your body composition is going to be completely different so just like marketing you're going to grow and evolve the longer you do it but it's not something that you can just say oh i checked all the boxes i set up my site with seo and i have an email platform and I've set up my socials. I'm done. No, you have something you have to keep going into. And like you said, refining. I've spent the last, personally, the last since about November, December to now, and it's still a work in progress, refining my offer because of the way that the world has changed since I started my, my um, marketing firm in 2018. Now we have different tools available like AI. We have um, so different parts of my business I found are going to be more valuable um, as the environment and the climate changes. And I think that's exactly what you're saying for financial advisors is too, is read the room, see what, what are the common challenges. And right now, I think um, in the kind of economy that we're in, job loss is a very real threat, um, but a way that you can open the door um, using, you know, whatever research you've done to get to the point that you decide this is the problem that I'm going to speak to, um, and then capitalize on that. And I think, and keep refining, keep evolving, keep developing, and your message is only going to get better. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And let me give you a practical way to put this uh, into motion. So many people listening right now may be thinking, well, Derek, how do I state the problem I solve for people in a way that's part of my everyday language? So let me give you a common problem many people face. And this was what led me to partially go down this path is picture those moments when you're at the Rotary Club or you're at church or you're in a social function and somebody asks you the dreaded question, so what do you do for a living? And then the words unfortunately pop out of your mouth and you say, I'm a financial advisor. And you can see the eyes in their head roll back and it's like they go into comatose state and they're like, oh, another one of you. And in their mind, here's what they're thinking. Oh, you sell insurance, you sell mutual funds, you sell stocks, you sell bonds. I don't need you. Because what they do is they put you in a box that they've designed of what they think a financial advisor does. And so now you've made no ground with them at all. You're not memorable in any way, shape, or form. But here's a better way, and it's a way that I tested and proved out that it works. So, Olivia, let's say that you and I are in a social setting we've never met, and we're talking, and you say, well, Derek, what do you do? I say, Olivia, you know how many people worry about running out of money in retirement and how bad they would feel if they had to go back to work because they mismanaged their money? And you're like, yeah. Well, our team helps people create a confident strategy so they can live the life they want and not run out of money. Now, now what do you do? Are you a financial advisor? Well, what we do is we specialize in helping people like yourself who've worked hard all their lives have enough money so they can do the things they want to do and not worry about running out. Well, now tell me more about that. Well, well now see, here's what's happened. See, now we're like three separate sentences into a conversation that 60 seconds ago, you would have been shut out when you said, I'm a financial advisor. And so that tip right there in social settings, now what you're going to have to do is, I call this burning the brain cells, okay? We've got to make sure that your message could be understood by roughly 10 third graders consistently. Okay. If a third grader can understand, oh, okay, so you help people not run out of money. <laughs> yes, you understand my problem because so many people think, well, look, we're all intelligent and, and we are, but people are hit by so many messages. They've, they've got, when you visit with somebody for the first time, they may look like everything's great, but on the inside, they're churning worry and frustration and, and anxiety and, and wondering what's happening. They're just covering it better than most people are. So you always have to clarify the message very, very clearly. So if you do that, that's step one. But step two is, let's say, for example, that you're in another social gathering and uh, someone says to you, and I think you'll like this analogy, Olivia, because you're so, so entrenched in fitness and that's a big part of your, your marketing, which I love. Let's say that we're at a, a social gathering and, and uh, uh, we walk up to one person and the person says, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a, a fitness trainer. I do personal training. So oh, well, tell me more about that. She says, well, you know, I help people develop a workout plan and I help people get fit. I said, oh, that's great. That's great. And you might talk about their education and this kind of thing. And then you move on. Well, well, later on in the evening, uh, someone else comes up to you and says, now, what do you do, Derek? And I, and I tell them what I do and, and the problem I solve. And I said, well, what do you do? And, and this particular trainer says, well, you know how busy executives and business owners, they work so hard, but they want to make sure that they're physically fit so that when they have grandkids or their, their kids have kids, they can be the one on the floor chasing the kids and have the energy to live the life they want and live a full and meaningful life. I help people do that through customized workout plans that fit into their schedule. And I often find it helps them make more money and live a better life. Well, upon needing one of those two personal trainers, which one do you think I'd be more likely to call? Definitely the second one. And because why? she's leading with her value. She's leading with solving problems, solving things that worry you or could potentially worry you rather than the just, just the generic let's get fit because what is what's the benefit of getting fit right it's same thing with financial advising let's let's move toward financial freedom great what does that mean to me like how does that translate into a better life surviving and thriving as donald miller would say for me you know um and i think that's the picture yes that is going to be more, it's more compelling that's basically the bottom line it's more right. compelling and 
And um, people, like you said, the financial advisor thing too is not just uh, another job. There are actual cultural fears <laughs> built into um, you know, the society's psyche about financial services. Um, we all know why, because of, you know, shady people in the industry say, yes, I'm an advisor, and they are actually not helping advise at all. They're just selling the products. Um, and the last thing we want is somebody selling us more products because we are marketed to all day long. Um, so I forget where I was going with that, but I think that was the end of the thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and what I would submit to you would be that the second personal trainer I spoke with was more memorable. And, and ultimately, I might not decide in that moment that I need this financial advisor or I need this personal trainer, but we're wired to remember stories and stories that connect to a problem that we're feeling right now. And so weeks from now, I might think back, yeah, that advisor I talked to at Rotary that talked about not running out of money that's the person I want to talk to or the, the personal trainer that said, yeah, I want to, I want to make more money and live the lifestyle I want and be available for my kids. I'm going to call that person because it wasn't about the price point. It wasn't about the special we have for the next 90 days. It wasn't about the cost at all. It was simply about this person understands me through the words they're telling me. And this is what I want people to recognize is words are investments. And your words, when planted properly in the right soil, can pay big dividends for you. And often it's the person that uses the least amount of words that wins. When you can clearly state, I help people not run out of money. I help people not run, what's that, seven words, as opposed to going on this two-paragraph dialogue that puts people into a comatose state least amount of words wins. And when you connect with the problem, then you're the winner. You know, it's funny that you said that because when I'm, like I said, I've been taking a deep look at my business in the past few months and I identified something interesting. And that was, I had a higher closing rate as a new business owner than I have in the past couple of years. Now, why am I sharing this piece of information with you? It's because I think, uh, I, had fewer words to use. Yes, I was newer. I was less knowledgeable by any means. Am I more qualified to do what I do now? Absolutely. But that that uh, there was a simplicity to my my discovery call when I had them early on because I was not so entrenched in what I do, and I think it becomes very difficult for business owners of any kind to or let's put it another way. It becomes very easy for business owners of any kind to get bogged down with their own shit. Right. With what they're doing, what they're offering. There's so many benefits and there are so many ways and there are so many strategies and we want to share it all. Especially like you said, we don't fault advisors because that's their strong suit. I mean, naturally we think that we're sharing the best parts of what we do but we're not. We're sharing the technical parts instead of those memorable, the, the value that we add, the stories of the advisors that we've helped, the things that really, you know, are emotionally compelling. Um, so it's so strange. And I, you know, I'm a return to simplicity is really what it, it comes down to, uh, especially on your website and, and in your socials and all of these places, cute, I would say cute and clever or clear and concise will beat out cute and clever any day because you just got to get right in there and you've got to cut to the chase. All of these websites and all of these messages that are dream inspired do like, what are we talking about here? I mean, come on. <laughs> Right. So, so I love that you say that about, you know, the fewer words win and they are investments. So you want to choose them wisely, ones that have a good return. And so, you know, picture this picture, you know, you, you've talked to somebody in a social setting and, and, and by the way, this takes practice because keep in mind, you have probably told people I'm a financial advisor and had that terrible response for years and you've just come to expect it. 
And so you're going to have to practice and it's going to sound weird to you at first. It may sound kind of corny, but then what you can do is incentivize even your team that when you hear them saying it correctly to prospective people, maybe give them a dollar or, and you want to reward them and, and you're, you're basically restructuring how you're marketing your company because no longer are you a financial advisor. You specialize in helping people not run out of money or to live the retirement life they want. Whatever that is, that's what you specialize in. And that becomes the new vernacular because people want to work with a specialist and they expect to pay more for the specialist. You know, at my national firm I was a part of, I had the highest average fee per client of any of the 10,000 advisors in the country. And it was because I had a belief in myself of no fee, no me, but it was this intrinsicness that said, the higher the fee, the best of me is what you get. Because I was motivated. I brought my best value because I knew these people were putting their dollars to me, that, that their problem, that their life was on the line, the stakes were that high, that I needed to come through in my team to add value to them. And that way, it wasn't about the returns of the market or the ups and the downs of who's president. All we can do is talk through what the strategies are. I never would tie myself to that. And let me tell you a quick story, Olivia, if I may. You know, we talked about how owning a problem is, is the first part and identifying the symptoms of the problem that your prospective client has and articulating that. There was a gentleman named Dave that came into my office. Uh, this was about 10 years ago. And I, I could tell the weight of the world was on this guy's shoulders. There was something wrong. And he said, Derek, and by the way, this was a successful business owner in lo local Arlington and well-respected, but he said, Derek, I'm not enthused about going to the office anymore. I'm not motivated. I'm just, I'm just mailing it in, so to speak. And, and for some reason, the words shot out of my mouth. And I said, Dave, is there a cause that you care deeply about? And I could tell the question stunned him. He sat there in silence for a second. And then he began to tell me a story about how a couple years earlier, his family had gone overseas on a trip. And <clears throat> this particular village they went to, the guide had talked about how because there was this lack of a school building, a dedicated schoolhouse, and because of that, it, it caused economic challenges for this entire community, just, just utter poverty. But education would change that. And he remembered exchanging a glance with his wife as if to say, wouldn't it be cool to fund that school? Well, yeah. they get back to the States, life gets busy, the job, family, et cetera. And so my question brings us back to him. And he said, I said, Dave, what if you did this? What if you set a goal to increase sales by 20% over the next six months and you took half of that increase and use that increase to fund that school? <clears throat> Pardon me for my voice there. I get kind of choked up telling the story. Um, and so Dave, his eyes were as big as saucers. Well, we talked about ways to implement that and he got real excited. So he didn't come back six months later. He came back in three months later. He looked younger. He looked reinvigorated. He looked like he was back on his A game. And I said, Dave, it's night and day, the difference of how you look now versus then what happened. He said, Derek, basically, I, I just did what we talked about. And I call it a generosity purpose. And that is a cause that you can tie into your business. And he said, I made my generosity purpose that we're going to fund that school. So on my website, I put a tab that said generosity purpose. And he, he mocked up a picture of what the school could look like. And he then began to let all of his customers know that, hey, going forward, uh, we love having you as our customer, but we want to do something more. And we're going to take a portion of all of our proceeds and we're going to use it to fund this school. Well, the reality was he ran an engineering firm. And so people could work with any engineering firm in all of Arlington, all of Dallas-Fort Worth for that matter. But they wanted to work with Dave because he provided great service, what you expect, but he gave them a doorway to be part of something bigger. And so Dave's customers got excited. They bought more. They, they loved the work that he was doing. And they began to refer more business to him. But the two bigger pieces, Olivia, were, get this, his team. His team had been going to a job nine to five, just providing basic engineering services. Now they felt like they were part of something bigger, like their job had meaning. They were more motivated, but the bigger winner was Dave. Dave was a whole new guy. And what he realized was he wasn't just going to the office to make money. Now he was going there to make money so he could do more good 
and it motivated him, I want to make more money so that I can do more good in my community. And it just motivated him, the more I make, the more I can give, and the more value he provided to his customers. And so when you can weave as a financial advisor or business owner, this generosity purpose, it's what grew my financial planning practice exponentially because I became known as the giving financial advisor in my community. People would get great service and great returns, all the stuff they expect, but they wanted to be part of a bigger story that they couldn't do on their own. You do that as a business owner and solve the problem and be the specialist that they come to know you're, you're going to build a moat around your business that very few competitors can ever penetrate. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think even, I think that there's so many of us that are, are really more philanthropically, philanthropically inclined than we actively participate in, in our daily lives. And so aligning with business owners or businesses who do that give us a chance to like you said be a part of it and it helps us feel better about ourselves i mean there are tons of studies out there that say spending money on good things um spending money to to give to charity or even giving to your family when you can use your money on good it's like a, a certain kind of brain rush um, and you keep, it's like a reward center. So you want to keep going back for more. So aligning with an advisor who has a generosity purpose can signal that reward center and make your client feel inclined to work with you to be a part of it. Yeah. And what I would say is don't, please don't look at generosity as the band-aid to cover up all your internal problems of your business. If you're a terrible manager, then that's on you. If you can't retain quality people, that's not good because, you know, your clients don't like to see this revolving door of people coming in, coming out, and, and they've looked at your inf private information. So you need to have systems in place to make sure that base level, you're providing great customer service. People feel heard and listened to. They're part of a family when they come to your office. I mean, truly, people call these things family offices. Let's be real. You want your office to feel like I'm coming to my office of my family. I, I love each of the team members here. I feel like family. That's ultimately the goal. And then when you can weave the generosity piece on top of that, it's like the bonus. As if this office could not get any better, now they're actually helping care about a cause that I care about. Oh my gosh, when other competitors call with the free dinner seminars and you know we've got this CD rate for 5%, you got to come check us out. They're going to say, no, 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 no. I work with Derek, I work with Olivia, I work with so-and-so, and there's nobody's touching this because I understand the story and I, I want to be part of something bigger because they're helping make my portfolio bigger bottom line as well. Right, absolutely. So it's like funding, you know, building your, I mean, I always, I don't know where I was going with that. It's definitely an unformed thought. I'll visit later. But I always say I and when I think about the types of advisors that I like to work with, even what's important to me, and I think the most impactful as far as financial planning services goes, is when an advisor taps in to not just, hey, this is the dollars and the cents, but um, talking about how your financial wellness and your spiritual wellness and your physical wellness and um, your relationships and all of these things are all intertwined. And to me, like that, it's almost is pretty similar to the generosity purpose, but not it's sort of tangentially related. Um, and that I want to work with folks like that because I feel like that's the the good that they can do in somebody's life, not just like an investment manager or somebody like that. So that's why I always like working with advisors who support the whole human um, in all areas of life, not just in the financial planning space. And I think that those two, those two things are sort of related there. Now, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, one of the stories I mentioned in my book, Good Money Revolution, was her name is B. Bocalandro, and, and she did some research on how people respond to advertising, for example. So let's say that you're at home and you see an ad for a car company or a new computer, and it's something that you like and you'd like to have one day, and you your your brain registers like, hey, that's that's something really cool, but it doesn't really have any lasting impact on it. 
But if you see an ad where it's talking about how, hey, let's help support the Olympic team or let's help clean up the oceans or let's help curb homelessness or poverty, and it's tied to a company, well, it sort of endears you to that company because you say, wow, that, that's a really cool product. But what I really like, what's attracting me to this is the fact that they've got this bigger purpose around it. And when I buy that product or service, I'm helping make the world better. And what they found is that when you see a charitable uh, event demonstrated on TV or somewhere, it causes the same chemical reaction in your brain as, get this, as though you're looking into the eyes of someone you love. I mean, that to me is so cool to think about how the brain registers that when we see someone helping someone else or when we experience the joy, whether it's publicly or anonymously, that when you know, you know you've done something really cool for somebody, like they're going to get this nice gift and you're just waiting for them to open it and you know they're going to love it. Imagine when you have a business each day that no longer is money bad. And if I make a lot of money, then I'm the villain in the story. No, no, no. I want to go make a lot of money because I'm adding more value to people's lives and because I'm helping make causes in my community better. In other words, it's really, I'm responsible to go make a lot of money when I have a skill set as a specialist because people are counting on me to help make that cause better. And, and people like to work with leaders like that who are making their local community better. And it, it's how we built uh, we were the most recognized financial advisor in all of Dallas-Fort Worth for like 10 straight years. That's amazing. Simply because we provided great service. That's the baseline table stake, but it was specializing, empathizing, and being generous and uh, helping people identify that when you think of money, there's only one name to think of, and it was my name at the time. I love that. Specialize, empathize, and be generous. Yeah. And then use those and... Clients will start knocking on your door like magic. <laughs> well, Derek, I feel like we have covered so much. Um, but before we go, I really just wanted to get a little bit more details on your book, The Good Money Revolution. Um, I know it was a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller. USA Today was actually the first place I was ever published when I was like 14. So it always holds a special place in my heart. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Uh, it was definitely it was definitely the moment that I felt validated. Like I'm a writer. This is what. Ooh, I yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, why do you feel your book has become so popular with financial advisors and business owners? You know what I, I think that what I've wanted to do is be a fresh voice for money. You know, my book I call it a shame-free, simple success plan for your money. And this is where, and I'm just going to be truthful if I'm being honest with most advisors listening, that we have overcomplicated our industry. We've made financial planning sound so complicated that only a select few people can be a part of it. And it's actually costing us clients and revenue. You know, when, when we hear this mantra that, you know what, don't go to Starbucks, you can't buy that $5 latte or you will never, ever retire. That is flat, dead, wrong. I say, <laughs> really? coffee to me is the smell of money. And the reason I say that is when I'm visiting with people over coffee, there's, I'm deepening relationships. We're doing deals. We're, we're talking about referrals, something about coffee. So I love spending $5 a day on coffee because I'm going to walk out of the coffee shop with possibly 10 times that in terms of social capital new capital, or just ideas that I can use to improve people's lives. So please don't think that I'm going to save my way to financial success because that can be a losing scenario. The book is about how can people in their current job, if they're in a job right now as the administrative assistant, the mid-level manager, the VP, what three questions can they ask their boss that will help them get a sizable raise within six months? That's part of what the book's about. The other part of the book is about as a business owner, how can you attract quality people and attract the clients you want by incorporating generosity into your business? So many people think that if I give, I lose, they win. We're flipping that upside down to say, no, 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 no. We, I want you to make more money than you're making now and give out of what you're making more of that way your lifestyle is always getting better and you're actually giving more money. It's a win, win, win. So 
we're giving actually the first five chapters of the book away for free. I want to get the message into as many people's hands as possible. They can go to goodmoneychapters.com. That's goodmoneychapters.com, goodmoneychapters.com. Download the first five chapters. And by the way, you mentioned Donald Miller, who's a good friend of mine. He wrote the foreword to my book. Oh. It's the foreword that Donald Miller wrote uh, as well. So goodmoneychapters.com. And you can also buy the book on Amazon or wherever you buy your favorite books. Well, look at that. That is so interesting. <laughs> I am going to go to goodmoneychapters.com as soon as we're done here. And I'm probably going to spend the rest of my morning reading it. Um, wrote a good I'm just, it's worth it. Yeah. I, oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I am just, I'm so happy that all of my listeners are going to have access to this too. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, so I think that we have given a lot of great tips today. You came with your A game, of I'm sure you always do. Um, but why don't you tell uh, our group, of course, all of this information will be in the show notes and in the captions. So you'll be able to see it on any of the platforms where this is posted. But go ahead and um, tell us where our listeners can find you. Yeah, uh, the best places are on LinkedIn at uh, Derek, D-E-R-R-I-C-K, Kenny, K-I-N-N-E-Y. And uh, also on uh, Instagram, uh, we've got uh, a good family there in terms of our good money community at Derek T. Kenny. And then the website is Good Money Framework. And uh, I would say if you love Olivia's podcast, you'll love my podcast as well. It's called the Good Money Podcast. I love it. I'm so excited. Uh, maybe one day I can come on your podcast. Let's talk about that. Talk about it. <laughs> well, Derek, thank you so much for joining us. You guys know where to find me, LinkedIn, I'm under at Olivia Looper, and on Lexicon Advisor Marketing. Today is March 8th, 2023, and we officially started our rebrand yesterday. So we are moving from Lexicon Content Development to Lexicon Advisor Marketing. You will recognize our logo as it has stayed the same. The only thing that has changed is the name. So... There you guys have it. That's a big reveal, I guess. <laughs> um, Derek, thank you so much again. We can't wait to share this information with you and connect with you on social media. Subscribe to our email list if you're interested. Definitely check out goodmoneychapters.com. You guys, you rock. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Get Advisor Fit with Olivia Looper. To learn more about Olivia and how her firm, Lexicon Content Development, can help you visit lexicon.contentdevelopment.com. If you want to reach out to Olivia on LinkedIn, you can find her at Olivia Looper Lexicon. And if you'd like to follow Olivia on Instagram, you can find her at Lexicon Content Development. So next time.